Chicago. We're an hour ahead. So someplace it's about um, 11.30 in America. So I, I'm going to go to about 11.50, your time. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, uh, you know, faith and finance is great. That's a great uh, way to phrase things, you know, because you have to have faith in finances. You really do, especially in this economy. Uh, and, and we're going to get into some testimonies, but one of the big things that I, that I really believe everyone needs to have when it comes to finances is understanding. And how do you understand? But you hear it in the word, all right? You know, the Bible tells us that we have to have, it's impossible to please God without faith. Is that right? And that's faith in God. But what happens when you have faith in God, it says also in there that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, when you have faith in God, what happens, what that produces is the faith of God. It produces a God kind of faith. The same faith that brought everything into existence. Now, when we're talking about the tithe, and, I, and I'm, I'm retired right now. I just retired, and, and Joe had a little bit off. 30 years uh, was not the, the issue. I've been 43 years in the business community, and I retired from the business community. I'm 65 years old, but I refired for Jesus. All right? So now the devil's not only got to contend with me. He used to, in the business world, now he's got to contend with me wherever I go anyway. But... Um, It's interesting, you know, when you, when you start talking about God and when I talk about the Bible, so you understand, I only know the Bible. I only know the God of the Bible. That's it. So when I talk to people about God, I'm talking to people about the God of the Bible. Now, let me explain a little bit about the God of the Bible. God always was, and he always will be. There was no beginning to God, and there's not going to be an ending to God. He always was. Now, someplace in his infinite knowledge and wisdom, whatever he decided, he wanted fellowship. He decided that, that he wanted fellowship, some point. And what God had to do, my God, what he had to do to get us, first thing he had to create was nothing. Listen, he had to create nothing first because it was just God. So now God created nothing. Then he began to create something. He created nothing first, okay? Then he began to create something, and here we are, and to have fellowship with him. Now, that God who had to create nothing first to create something, do you believe that he needs your money? Do you, do you believe that he needs your car, that he needs your house? Do you, do you believe that he needs your, your wallet? Do you believe that he needs anything that you have? If you don't know, the, I'm going to help you with the answer. The answer is no. <laughs> he doesn't need your money. He really doesn't. What he does want, though, is obedience. And from obedience, what he's going to do with that obedience is bless you beyond measure. 
because he's God. But you have to begin to understand this. So I want to take you to the word first, okay? And then we're going to get into some testimonies, but I want you to turn to Malachi. Do you have your Bibles with you? If you have your Bible, just lift it up, and I want you to say with me, this is my Bible. I believe it is the Word of God for me today. I will study the Bible to know God. I will study the Bible to know myself. I will study the Bible to know my enemy. I will become a student of the Word of God for His glory through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen. So I want you to go to the book of Malachi. That's the last book of the Old Testament, and it's right before Matthew. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. That's what I'm going to be using. But one of the interesting things that I found as I was putting this together, one of the things in Malachi, there's a little commentary from the person that put the in this book, and, and it says this, part of it. It says, so sinful has the nation become that God's words to the people no longer have any impact. He's talking about the people of God. And he's talking about that they no longer have any impact. And it almost seems like he's talking about this time. Now, what happened in Malachi, Malachi was the last time God talked to his people. And it wasn't until 400 years later when John the Baptist came on the scene that God then began to talk again to his people. But he was upset at his people. They no longer listened to what he was saying. His words had no impact anymore. They had accomplished so much on their own that they were thinking that everything that they had now was all theirs. They did it all. They didn't need God anymore. And, and they began to turn to wicked ways. And, and this is God's people he's talking about. Which is also, if you, if, you, if you look around, there's a lot of Christians and people who profess in different churches and everything else that somehow the word of God doesn't have an impact. What is God saying? So in the, in the book of Malachi, the first chapter, here's what happens. In verse 6, I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to, I don't have time to go through everything, okay? So I'm really going to encourage you when I give you scriptures, write the scriptures down, and I want you to meditate, study them on your own, and really ask God to give you, ask the Holy Spirit to impart wisdom, impart something to you there, and he'll do that, okay? But I, I've got a lot of word that I want to get to you because one of the things Solomon, who was one of my mentors, okay? Everything that I've learned came out of this book. And I read a lot of books, okay? And I've been in a lot of conferences, been to a lot of different places. But everything I learned to be successful came out of the Bible. The Bible is the only book you really need. You don't need another book in your bookshelf. You really don't. And I believe readers are leaders. I understand that. But really, if you had to have one book, you just need the Bible. But Solomon, who happened to be, according to the Bible, the wisest man that ever lived, what he said was this, something to this. He said, wisdom is the principal thing. But he goes on and says, my people perish 
for the lack of knowledge. They don't have any knowledge. Then he goes on to say, but in all you're getting, get understanding. So what he basically said this. He says, knowledge, it's okay. you know, people don't have knowledge, number one, to begin with. But knowledge by itself isn't there. See, with knowledge without understanding is just information. And we all get a lot of information. But once you have knowledge, once you know what the Word of God says, then you understand what the Word of God says. Now you have wisdom. And now you can impart wisdom. But you have to have the knowledge first. Then you have to have the understanding of that knowledge. Does that make sense? Amen? Okay. So over here in Malachi, and what we're talking about, we're talking about tithing and offering, what Pastor Joe was saying. You know, you can't have one without the other. Do you know you cannot give an offering if you don't give your tithe? It's impossible. You can't say, I give an offering, man. I give a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollar offering. Well, you didn't give a tithe. Can't do it. I'm telling you. That was part of probably your tithe. So you're missing. So anyway, here's, here in verse 6, here's what, what the writer is saying in, in God's talking. He says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? What way haven't we honored you, God? Think of this as a modern church. What way haven't we honored you, God? Well, he says, listen, you offered defiled food on my altar. In what way have we defiled you by saying the table of the Lord is contemptible? And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Give to the president of the United States when he comes here. Give him two dollars. Okay, give him $2. You know, I never knew about tithing. I was born and raised outside of Chicago, Catholic. Any Catholics, former Catholics, anybody who was Catholic understand? What we used to get <coughs> at our parish at the beginning of the year was about 52 envelopes. And it we would mark them then. This week, you give the envelope. When you went to church, you put the envelope in the offering. And maybe you put a dollar or two in the envelope. So 52 weeks, that's how we did it. I never knew what the tithe was. I never knew what the tithe was. My parents never knew what the tithe My parents never knew tithing. But um, when I turned my life over to the Lord at age around 25, 26, I began what I would call spot tithing, you know. I didn't even know what I was doing. Sometimes I give this, sometimes I give that, whatever it was. And sometimes it may equal the tithe, maybe sometimes it wouldn't. But it was when we, Lorraine and I, got married, 1974, we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. We got involved with a church and a pastor who was my pastor and, and just taught us so much. He taught us so much about tithing and about marriage. He's no longer with us. He went to be with the Lord. But now this person here, when you talk about offerings, this person taught us about tithing. And I began to learn some of the principles, as I'm going to hopefully give some of you. And he would talk, he would raise, he would get uh, so much dispute from the community. If you think about um, offerings, 
he would take up sometimes three and four offerings in a service. Which means the pastor only took one up so far. By the time the service was over, he had three or four more. And one of the things that he said, you know, if everybody gave what they were supposed in the first offering, we wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't have to take all these offerings, you know what I mean? But he would do that. He would take three or four different offerings for different things. And everybody would be planting seed. I mean, everybody would be looking forward to giving an offering because what was taking place, we, you know what I'm saying? And so he began to teach us about the tithe and about offerings, and it became to be a blessing. Now, when you go over to Malachi, I'm going to skip fast, real fast here, but a lot of people use, you know, the verse, bring all your tithes and offerings into the storehouse and everything. And that's good, but let's go to verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 6. Here's what happens. God says this. He says, I am the Lord. I do not change. God doesn't change. God doesn't change. He's never changed. He always was. God will never change. You change. I change. God doesn't change. Okay? So he says, I never change. So when we start talking about this, this is revelation that was given to me as I began to learn about tithing. Because here's the argument that you'll get from people. Tithing is not in the New Testament. Tithing, you don't have to tithe anymore. It's from the old law. Well, if we go into the New Testament and really study what the New Testament says then, see, tithing is 10%. Okay, 10% is a tithe. But if you go into the New Testament and you really study what, what's being said there and what God did and everything, we really don't owe God 10%. We owe him 100%. <laughs> so we owe him 100%. But seeing God doesn't change, what, he's what he says, he's going to go back. You go back to the word where it is over here. He doesn't change. And what he says over here in verse, in, in verse 6, chapter 3, I'm going to go to yet 7. He says, you have gone away from my ordinances. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. And then in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I have commanded him for all of Israel. Israel is a form of the church. Now, today, with the statutes and judgments, behold, I will send the prophet. But he said, Remember the law of Moses. So God doesn't change. He says, You're gone away from me. And the people begin to ask, how will we gone away from you? Then he, then he goes and says, well, you know, will you rob God? But let's take a look at how, you, how we've gone away from God. Okay, go back here to, um, to Deuteronomy. That's where we're going to go. And we're going to go to chapter 26. Uh, see, I got it in the wrong hand. Yeah, we'll go to chapter 26. God doesn't change. Here's what he says. He says, and it shall be when you come into the land which God has given you and you possess it, then you shall take 
some of the first of the produce of the ground. Okay? That's the first fruits he's talking about. When you come into the land that God has given to you, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're entering into the land that he's given you. You become a child of God. Inheriting everything that God has. You walk now into his promise when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're walking now into this land that he's given you. Okay? And all he is saying is, give me the first fruits. Why does he say that? Now, you know, dollars now is a means of exchange. But back then, different things were as a means of exchange. Now money is. But why does he say, give me the first fruits? Why? Because God knows how hard you worked and how hard you toiled for this money. Okay? He knows that you've worked hard for this. And all he is asking is saying, give me, just give me back a part of this. Because the Bible also says, if you remember this, you think you're making money and doing good? The Bible tells us that it's God who gives us the ability to make wealth. It's God who gives us the ability to have the job that you have. God gave you that ability. God gives you the ability to get promoted. God gives you the ability to do whatever you're doing. It's God that gives us the ability. We don't have that. We don't deal with ourselves. He's given it to us. So he's given it to us, but he don't even take that into consideration. He just says, whatever you've got, just give it back to me to show me that you really believe in me, that you love me, and everything else. Because he also knows in this time, and as of the time back there, that the church or, or the synagogue or whatever needed money to, to function, to do the things that we're supposed to do, to feed the poor, to reach the lost, you know, to clothe the naked, to do all that. It takes money. It takes some kind of means of exchange. So he, God could pour it out. He don't need your money. He could do it by himself, but he needs us to do it. He needs people to do it. So he's going to see if you're really serious if you do that. So when you do that, just go back over here to verse in, in the same thing in chapter 26. And I want you to read this chapter yourself. Spend some time, meditate on it, okay? But here's what happens. When you do this, God says in verse 13, you can pray this way. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house. God, I've taken what you've asked of me, and I've given it, okay? I've taken it out, given it to the priest, the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, according to all your commandments. See, that's what the church does with that money, okay? So you've taken that tithe out, you've given it. Now you can pray this. You can say, Lord, I've done this. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it, nor have I removed it from any unclean purposes, which means I haven't spent your tithe on the movies or this. I've, the first thing that I've done when I've received my paycheck is I wrote my tithe check. It's out. It's gone. It's God's. I don't even consider using it. Okay? Now I can talk to God the way he wants me to. 
I could come boldly before the throne and I could say, Lord, I've done what you said to do. Now it says, look down, in verse 15, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. Bless the church and the land which you've given us. See, you can say, bless me now, Lord. I've done this. And then over that, now you can go to Malachi and say, if, if, if you give the tithe, he'll give to you more than you can hold. He'll open the floodgates and pour out. But you can't talk to God that way unless you do what he says to do. You can't ask him to do that. You just can't. If, Joe, if I told Joe, I said, if he was a young boy, and I said, Joe, take out the garbage, and, and you can ride your bike today. If he came to me and said, oh, I'm going to go ride my bike, I look at the garbage, and he didn't take the garbage out. You can't ride your bike, right? Well, how can you demand from God what he's saying is yours if you don't do what he says? You know, in a contract, if you deal in a contract, we have a covenant-keeping God. He's a covenant-making, covenant-keeping. You know, covenant is a contract. You do this, I'll do this. You do this, I'll do this. Then now, what you can do, once you, once you do this, then, and only then, can you go to Deuteronomy 28. I hear people talking to me about Deuteronomy 28, and I see the way they live, and I see what they give. They can't claim Deuteronomy 28. I don't care if they say they are a Christian. It's impossible. Because they're not doing what God says to do. He's a covenant-keeping, covenant-making God. He's a contract-keeping, contract-maker. You do this, I'll do this, period. And his word is yes and amen. Sometimes our word is not yes and amen. Our word is maybe. Maybe I'll do this, God, but you do that. But now, God, just so I know that you're really God, you do that first, and then maybe I will do this. Don't work. Don't work. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I'm going to flip back to me. I, I don't have time to go through this, but this is fun. But I love I, people. When I talk about money, because I've spent my whole career, 43 years, in business and financial management. I have every degree you can think of in financial management. I'm a certified financial planner, dealt with millionaires and all this other kind of stuff. So I understand money. I understand investing. Ish and I were talking about this this morning. You can't out-invest God. Do you know, all of you, when you participated in your tithes and offerings, and you sent that team to India, that team produced certain things that exponentially will go into your bank account in heaven. And it will keep going and going and growing and growing and growing. You're talking about residual income. That's residual income. In the kingdom business. Not in the world's business, in the kingdom business. It just keeps growing. Every person that you lead to the Lord, not just that person that you lead to the Lord, but everything that that person does and all... Their fruit, and 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 their fruit. That's the same thing that happens financially. <laughs> Let me tell you what God thinks. So I remember I asked you that question. You think God needs your money, and I'll help you with the answer. Go with me 
to um, Exodus chapter 35. When you're there, say amen. Okay, uh, Exodus chapter 35. I'm going to start with verse 4. And Moses spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of willing heart. So, it's like God would say to Pastor Joe or any other pastor, Pastor Joe, take from you an offering from your people, but only take the offering from people who have a willing heart. I don't need, this is God, that's not me. I don't need the people that don't have a willing, I don't need their money. So if they're not willing to give, don't, don't even take their money. I only want you to take the money of the people that have a willing heart. Now watch what happens as this takes place. Move with me over to, um, you can read chapter 35 and 36 on your own, okay? Write that down. But move over to chapter 36 and verse 3, at the end of verse 3. Well, I'll start with verse 3. And it says, And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to, the, to him the free will offering every morning. Now, how in the world would they continually give him every morning more offerings? They had to be getting blessed. Okay? It wasn't that they weren't getting blessed. Something must have been happening to them that they were getting blessed. So they were taking part of it and kept bringing more. Kept bringing more to Moses. Kept bringing more to Moses. And then look at what happens over here in verse 5. And they spoke to Moses saying, hey, the people are bringing so much more than enough for the service of the work of the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses had to give a commandment and he had to say, people, people, stop giving. Stop giving. Hold it. We can't hold it anymore. That's what Moses had to say. Now, how did he do that? Because the people were obedient. And they were getting blessed, and they were getting blessed, and they were was pouring out on them. And that's our inheritance. Do you understand it? Because God does not change. What he did there, he'll do here. He'll do in your life. He'll do in my life. Does that make sense? He doesn't change. He doesn't change. I told this story, and some of you, listen, when, when I'm talking to you right now, I know a couple things are going to happen here. The Holy Spirit kind of told me two things. The word will go forth that two things will happen. One is those people that are tithers and givers, they will be encouraged. They will be strengthened. They will be reaffirmed that they're doing the right thing by this word, which you have. The people who are not will be convicted. Now, there's a difference between convicted and condemned. The Holy Spirit will never condemn anybody. But when a, when a conviction of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that's a good thing because he's moving in your life and he wants to do great things in you. So he's talking to you. Whenever, th the, the, whenever you get a prompting to give to the work of the Lord, 
you can believe it's the Holy Spirit. Because the devil will never tell you to promote the gospel. He won't. He won't do it. And I could go on and I could tell you different times and different churches that we've been in. I mean, visiting. We've been in when we went to Pastor Pano Church. We were visiting. He was on his last time, and he was raising money for, to build, to have tents in Africa. And he said to us, the people, he said, you know, every tent that we build, we will um, reach so many thousands of people. Because he was giving them to the pastors in Africa. Each tent cost $10,000. And Pastor Pano, he said, we're going we're gonna to raise enough money tonight to buy 10 tents. Okay. <laughs> Who's first? Then he went down the line. Now he had people, when, he started, when people start raising their hands, he had people counting how much it was. Oh, there's one tent. You know, who's going to give a 1,000? Who's going to give two? Who's going to give five? Who's going to give 10? Whatever it is. Okay, there's one tent. There's another tent. There's another tent. You know, by the time that service was over, we had 10 tents. But the point of the fact is this. Lorraine and I gave into that. We gave and we, 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 we sold and we want to give you. Yeah, so we gave, well, I don't know, we gave $1,000, which we probably didn't have, okay? Now, God honored that in so many different ways exponentially. But what I look at it, I don't look at it from the financial end. I look at it, there's a tent out there in Africa someplace that is reaching so many people every day, winning people to Christ that we got a part of. Amen? Yeah, now it's how you look at it and how you perceive what you're doing with those dollars. And I told you this story before. I had a client, sold his business. His share of the business was $5 million. I'm a certified financial planner. He came to me. He, he was my client. But we had to put together an estate plan and all this other stuff for him. So we had percentages up on the board. He leans over to his wife. This is $5 million now, okay? Leans over to his wife and he says, Jim, <laughs> don't forget we have to give our tithe first. Okay? Now, that tithe is 500000 on $5 million. And people say to me, oh, well, if I had $5 million, I'd, I'd give 500000 too. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> if you never gave $10 on 100 give me 500000 would kill you. It would, just, it would just kill you. But he said it so even. Hey, we got to give our tithe. Why? Because all his years, he was giving $10 on $100, a dollar on $10. You follow me? He learned to do that. One last thing, and I'm going to have Lorraine give the testimonies, but I want to understand there's a place in here um, that when you bring the offering, it's a form of worship. One of the biggest things that, that really gets to me, and I know it gets to the heart of God, when I don't care how much money it is, I don't care if it's a dollar or a hundred dollars, I don't care what it is. When you get that money that you have, it's first of all, you should know what your tithe is going to be. So you should pray over it even before you bring it into the house of God. You give, just pray like, like, the, like the Bible teaches you. I pray, God, I'm taking this tithe out. Here it is. Now, bless me, Lord. This is my tithe. Bless me. And what bless means give me favor. That's it. It doesn't mean give me things. You're not asking for things, okay? It's what you're asking. I don't want, I'm giving you the tithe, now you give me a new car. 
that's not, that's not the deal, okay? It's how you're asking and what you're asking for in your heart. But when you give an offering and you take that dollar bill out, I see people take a dollar and they wrinkle it up and they toss it into the, into the basket or whatever. Like they're doing, God, here's, here's your deal, okay? That dollar, if it's 10% of what you had, that's your tithe. That's a holy tithe. You take that and you place it in a basket. Say, God, this is my tithe. You said. And then you talk to him like you would talk to anybody. You give that tithe. You give that offering reverently, holy. It's holy. It's yours. It's your offering. It's a form of worship. Do you follow me? Hallelujah. You know, I'm going to give you one testimony of myself. When I had, when I went, my accounting business, I had about 10 people employed. Um, I had people leave me because I was uh, tied to, to a particular church, Pastor Pano's church. They said, I'm not, I'm going to leave you. You're not going to, I'm not going to have you be my tax person anymore because you're giving money to that church. They left me because I was a tither. Now, do you understand that? That's, that's, is the craziest thing. That, that I ever seen. But, I mean, he did. He left. And people that, that always argue or debate with you or are upset at tithing or giving offering to the, to the house of God are people that don't do it. They never give any money. They never tithe it. And yet they say, I hate that church. They're always asking for money. But they never gave a dime there. But anyway, we were tithing. We were tithing. And um, am I running short? We gotta close up. Oh, praise the Lord! <laughs> oh, we got yeah, we gotta get more. I love my dad. It's embarrassing doing this to my dad. Please forgive us. We, we're gonna receive the tithe. Can we uh, bring the offering up? And my mom's gonna testify next service. I know some of you have to go, but it's gonna get way too late. We want to pray. They want to pray for you. My mom and dad want to pray. We want to give. Uh, can you put up the slides for me, please, Andrew? I think we heard the point today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that in this house, God, there are givers who have been giving, and they've been faithful to give to you, Father. And, Lord, I pray that during this time, God, when we need them the most, that, God, they'll pray and stand with us. And, Lord, I, I trust you. I know you're going to speak to them. And, God, I know that they have needs, God. My wife and I have needs. But, Lord, I pray that as we sow these seeds, you will bless us and cause us to increase and that, God, there will be residual blessings, even as my dad said. And, Lord, now I pray for those who are on the fence and maybe they're borderline and they think the service is almost somewhat offensive or intrusive or what does a church have to do with their money. God, I just pray you speak this word to them. It's so clear. We can't say anything more than what you said. God, you said we should get out of our house what belongs to you and do it willingly and then ask you to bless our house. I couldn't, my dad was led by your spirit, God. I couldn't think of a scripture more clear than that. I pray for those that are on the fence that, God, they'll be obedient today. God, I pray that they'll start right now. And those that need to go back and give online and get a part of this offering and help clear this out. God, some of the reason why we're here behind it's because they weren't doing it before. And God, that's why. They were here, but they weren't giving it before. They made their excuses and all of those things. But God, I pray today you make it happen because as the church will prosper, 
so will they prosper. That's what you said, is as the kingdom prospers, they will prosper. And God, this is the kingdom. Here we are serving you. So right now, I'm just going to ask the rest of the band to come as they're coming. I'm going to ask you to pray about dedicating to the Lord a tithe consistently to honor him. And that you would also then begin to pray and ask him to sow an offering to help us get out of this situation so that we can be blessed and prosperous in all that we do. It almost sounds contradictory. We're starting a new campus based on somebody's gift, but we still need the gifts of the congregation to make up for the past. That is disobedience. It's like the person who works a job and they say, man, where's all my money going? And then they find their wife with the credit card. Here it is. I know that was unfair, but you're tracking with me. Come on, let's pray. Father, give us an offering to give. I already feel you've given me a number, Lord, and I pray for those finances to lose. Come on, pray. What can you give towards this 15000 Ask the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, a few more moments. Mom and Dad, would you come stand here in the front before I say amen? Because I'm going to pray and then let them come and give and let you pray for them. Just a few more moments. Father, we thank you for today's service. We pray that you bless your people. We want to give to you what's yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. My parents wanted to pray for you today out of their stability, 30, 40 years of tithing, giving, God blessing them. It doesn't matter who you are. As you come forward and give today, will you let them pray for you? And they're just going to pray a simple prayer, just, you know, a blessing and an increase in favor on all that you do. Amen? Amen. So let's say this together on the count of three. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the glory of his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come rejoicing as you give. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you at Life Groups.